We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. The T20 World Cup is coming to our shores in 2020 with the best of the best striving for the ultimate glory. Before that all kicks off, let's join Mel Jones as she chats to cricket royalty on road to the T20 World Cup. We're going old school today on the ICC's road to the T20 World Cup because I'm currently sitting at Caulfield Park in Melbourne, a ground in which I trained and played at with my two special guests today. I've got uh, former Australian players, World Cup winners, Ashes winners, Victorians, and mums, Claire Smith and Sarah Elliott. And forgive me if I say a Sarah Edwards at some stage, or a Stixie, or a Smitty. I'm sure everyone will, will get the hint that cricket nicknames are well and truly part of our environment. Sarah Elliott. Three tests, 22 one days, 14 T20s, and cricket mum. It's been a big 12 months for you, not playing-wise, but just seeing the shift with the new parental policy out. Yeah, it sure has been really terrific um, to see the new initiative putting this parental leave policy in place and just the excitement that comes with that and you know the future for girls in the game and, and partners as well guys as well and what that means for them and their their playing. Now this wouldn't have been anywhere in your thought when you first started playing cricket or sport for that matter. Were were you a cricketer right from the get-go or were you playing other sports to begin with? No I played a heap of other sports. I fell into cricket late, played a lot of tennis, netball, you name it I played it and then late in high school I started playing and a teacher said why don't you go and try out and from there I kind of did and kept rolling with it I guess. Claire, we've played a lot of club cricket together, a lot of Aussie cricket together, so I know your backstory, but for everyone listening in, a girl from the country, Wood End Way, how did you get involved in the game? I got involved in the playground at, at school, so Wood End Primary School. Um, it's something that I picked up and I enjoyed and I found out I was pretty good at. And then a little connection, Peter Backer was up that way as well, a former Australian coach. Exactly right. So that was my pathway, if you like, into women's cricket, um, was the principal at my primary school was the then coach of the Australian women's cricket team. So he saw me playing in the playground and said, hey, you should check this out. <laughs> I'm glad you went to the same primary school, that's for sure. Um, a, a question that I'm asking everyone on this podcast is your most vivid sporting memory. And I know it's such a broad thing and there'll be a lot of things that sort of spring to mind. Um, but I'd love to know which ones you're going to go with. Sticks? Well, I'm going to go with a personal one. And this is a moment that Claire and I shared together in 2010 when we won the 2020 World Cup over in the West Indies. Um, and it, it's to do with the last ball. It's quite a famous last ball where Elise Perry kicked it with her foot. But I can still just picture and be back in that moment of standing at the mid-wicket kind of deep boundary as that ball was bowled. Um, and also some vivid memories from the two overs before where Sophie Devine was absolutely smashing us. That um, hasn't changed much. Nothing's changed. <laughs> and that was yeah, nearly 10 years ago. Hey, Nothing's changed. So that for me is just vivid. I can close my eyes and go back to that moment with the crowd and the hype and the excitement. You know, the, I don't know if iron is the right word here, but the, the bit I'm going to laugh about here is that just before we started recording this podcast, <laughs> Clear Smith had to say, I had to Google it because you couldn't remember it. <laughs> I couldn't remember the year, Mel. The year, I, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the, the vision was vivid and it's absolutely extraordinary with all the schoolyard, club cricket, state cricket and Aussie level cricket that Sarah and I have played. 
that we both landed on that not just that match but that particular moment so that's exactly it's exactly the same exactly the same moment. world cup 2010 barbados versus new zealand the whole game was a blur but my contribution hadn't been particularly um extraordinary i got a one for i went for five and, and over but we're only defending 104 and that last over that last ball they needed four off it um and Perry sticks her foot out to an absolutely creamed straight drive. Yeah. And from that moment, it was never going to go for four. And it was the everyone converging in together in those big hugs. It's that moment. So it's actually yeah. not a cricket specific. It's that coming together of the team. The elation. Uh, the elation. At the uh, it was an extraordinary, extraordinary. Uh, the flip side of that is that last week I interviewed Amy Satterthwaite about her sporting memories. <laughs> and unfortunately for her having played in the opposition team, she, she actually brought that up mm. and talked about, because we're talking about New Zealand in World Cups and how they haven't really come through with a lot of trophies as such. She said that mm. was probably the closest one mm. for them. Mm. And it was a, a boot away. Yeah, it was. And and the, the interesting or is that we'd played a match against England in our round games where we only won by a whisker too. Yeah. It was actually a super over and, and only because Jesse Cameron had hit a six yep. that, we, that we won and that. that hasn't so we, changed that, either. That's saved us that rule, that count back. Just, Cameron now Duffin oh, yeah. is still hitting sixes in the WPPL. That's correct. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm keen to find out too, um, both got gorgeous kids, which I thought you might have even brought along today. But, uh, you said quiet. Yes, we did, didn't we? <laughs> um, your own mums, were they sports people? Were they interested in sport? How much of a role did they play in you? playing sport yeah my mum was really big she was country girl and actually ran for Victorian 100 meter and long jump as well and she lost her father when she was 13 or 14 and that ended her kind of pursuit down that line of athletics um but yeah talented in her, in her own right and we played a heap of yeah, tennis or whatever it was she was always part yeah. of playing in the backyard or encouraging us in our sport and dad like fancied himself with a little bit of club cricketer back in England <laughs> and still plays his table tennis so sporting sporting family yeah, yeah. And I have sporting roots, so sort of going back generations, my, I had um, three of my four grandparents um, represented at state level in different sort of sports, so it's in, in the genes. Mm-hmm. My mum, um, not particularly, but she was there every step of the way, and from not knowing a thing about cricket to knowing it inside out, and in fact telling us how to do go about it, <laughs> by, by the end, extraordinary. Um, Travelled the world with us, was of, of, you know, often in the travelling crew, supporting, mm-hmm. could not have asked for more supportive parents. Yeah. Um, we're going to get on to cricketing mums. I was trying to sort of rack my brain when we are all sort of playing together. I don't think it ever came into my mind personally or for other teammates the whole concept of thinking about having kids while playing at at the elite level so we're talking more sort of you know state in Australia particularly Australia we had Julie Savage who had kids around club side time of things did it ever come into your mind or, or when did you Sarah first start thinking I'd like to have a family but potentially that can't be the case if I'm still playing cricket for me that probably happened I got um, quite sick with some blood clots on my lungs 12 months prior and at that point I went life's a bit too precious here Um, and so at that point I kind of went cricket secondary and and Rob and I had been married a couple of years then and that was kind of the way of thinking it was cricket's done that doesn't doesn't really matter and actually you mentioned Julie Savage and she was crucial for me in that first pregnancy she was the Australian chair of selectors at the time so I rang her when I found out I was pregnant with Sam it was right on contracting time and 
she was like, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I'll withdraw from my contract. I don't want someone else to miss out because I know I'm not going to play. And we agreed. She said, yep, that's fine. But we'll give you, we'll, we'll announce that you've got your contract um, so that you don't have to tell people you're pregnant too early. So I accepted that it was announced. I'd taken the contract and I was going to, two or three weeks later, I was going to withdraw from the contract. Um, public announced that I was pregnant yeah. and then I rang her back the day later I said hang on um, Sav if, if I've got ambitions I want to come back and play yeah. can I do that and she was like yeah for sure why can't you let me let me just run it by Cricket Australia let me make a few phone calls and I don't see any reason why you can't um, and she obviously had, I played club cricket with her and she had the two girls while she was still playing club cricket so yeah. she was a massive advocate and made that first transition into what was to become really easy Clear when Sarah was talking, then I could see you shaking your head because it, it it does baffle people, particularly these days now that we've got the parental policy in place. I, it was remiss of me to actually introduce you properly as the general manager of member programs at the Australian Cricket Association, but heavily involved in the recent MOU discussions, um, uh, player-wise, but then also the parental policy with Cricket Australia. It was that uh, a joint initiative there. Um, does it still baffle, baffle you? Because I, I can remember reading articles and being involved in cricket where Cricket Australia was saying that if you um, felt pregnant that you had to disclose it straight away. Um, and that was tough fun. We've had um, Divin. Isn't that awful? I've forgotten the first Emily. name. Yeah, Emily. Thank you. Uh, we've had Emily Divin from Tasmania. She went through that process where um, at that stage she had to say pretty much straight away that she was pregnant. And does that still baffle you that it, it took us a while to get past that and get this policy in place? Yes, it does. I, I think um, what I was as much shaking my head at in that situation is, in Sarah's situation, is it was luck that she happened to play club cricket of all the clubs in Australia yeah. with the woman who, A, has had children, so understands, and B, is the chair of selectors for the Australian <laughs> team. Now... To me, that's what this why what makes this policy so important is um, Emily Divin wasn't as lucky. Mm. Emily Divin wasn't an Australian player. She has said herself she was um, you know, a fringe player for Tasmania, and the fact that her journey and her support was so different in different circumstances that's what a policy is important for. Yeah. Is that going to a broader chat here? But that's mm. why you have diversity in in your systems too, isn't it? So that you can actually pick these things up. Absolutely. Um, different different conversations means the different issues and the different, um, I don't know, opportunities that, that are laid in front of us are all factored into the environment that is cricket. And, yeah. and now that cricket is um, a really legitimate professional option for women, it's just so important that that's in there. Uh, I was shaking my head at how long it's taken yeah. um, to achieve Why's where we've got to. Because uh, keeping in mind, mm. Australia is well ahead of the rest of the countries playing cricket at the moment as well that, that is true and uh, and I think that that's exciting and a place that we know is for the now but through our couple of decades in the game there's been different countries that have surged ahead mm. um, and so I hope we hold that leadership position for a while but I also just as much hope that other countries match and beat it too because yeah. that will allow for, for more change there was a commitment to the creation of this parental leave policy in 2017 so that 2017 was the otherwise known as acrimonious MOU negotiations, but what the little known fact is how much positive um, came out of that negotiation and how 
extraordinary that was for the women's game in particular. And we're talking specifically between Cricket Australia and the Australian Cricket Association. That's right, yep. that's right. So the MOU, um, which then, um, if, if you like, governs all of the pay and the benefits and the conditions um, that the 350 current players um, are then involved in, that was landmark for women and included in that was not just pays and not just other benefits and conditions like superannuation and retirement funds and injury payments but it was also a commitment to creation of this policy. Now the policy is unique to cricket. Cricket's quite an extraordinary um, and unique environment. It's complex. It's got three different formats that are all called cricket. There's a whole bunch of things that make the delivery of a policy that's going to work for the player um, but also for the system quite complex so we wanted to get it right Mm. and so the time it's taken the legalities needed to be worked through that was um, quite a challenge Uh, financially we need to needs to be a really clear understanding of of where the funds come from to support it and then of course the actual provisions which is the bit where we've picked and choosed and cherry-picked the best parts from all other sports all around the world to, to make this work. We're going to get to uh, the best parts in a minute. I want to, do want to go back to when you were still playing, Sarah. So firstly, the discussions with, with you and Rob, your husband, about um, the challenges that if you knew you were going to um, have Sam but then still want to play for Australia, what were those discussions like? Not sure we, we thought through them too well. I had those discussions. <laughs> we kind of just rolled one punch at a time kind of yeah. thing. Um, as I said previously, mum and dad are super supportive, so yeah. they were always on board, and mum's always been one, just go for it and we'll make it work. So that was kind she's of... She's a trooper. She is a trooper. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the that was kind of the philosophy getting into it, and we just rolled as we went, because there was obviously no policy in place at that time. Um, so we, ju- we did just roll. So initially it was, you know, you turn up to camps, pregnant, and we worked through, okay, what can you do, what can't you do, and, and there was nothing said. It was just evolving process, and then once Sam was born, um, yeah, that's when it really those discussions really started to happen family but also then with Cricket Australia Cricket Victoria right can can Sam travel can Rob travel who's going to pay for this um, what's going to look like where are you going to breastfeed what are you going to so do the discussions happened once he was born because there was a bit of lead up time till then wasn't there yeah. <laughs> well, as if it was a surprise was it that's why they give you nine months isn't it yeah. <laughs> um, no we weren't that smart we weren't that smart or no we didn't really foresee what the problems would be until, until so at six weeks I came back I took maternity leave that time Cricket Australia made me take six weeks that was good I got paid a full year's contract yep. I lost my Cricket Victoria contract but that was also fine because I was living in Darwin and uh, there was no provision for a replacement player so it made a lot more sense for a young kid to have the opportunity to train yeah um, and then six weeks I came back and eight weeks was when I came back and played the first game for Victoria and it was just then discussions between Elaine Parrish at Cricket Victoria and the, the rest of the team to say how do we make this work and for Cricket Victoria their position was while you're breastfeeding we will help you're allowed to travel with your child's allowed to come with you and then it was always different around who paid for what different between Cricket Australia what Cricket Australia would provide to what Cricket Victoria would provide who footed the bill that kind of thing was inconsistent with Sam and then with Jacob and Jocelyn as well yeah there's for people who are involved in around women's cricket they've they've heard the story and of you going away playing in an Ashes series playing in a test match and then coming off from batting and holding the innings together for Australia and breastfeeding Sam at the at the same time 
what kind of experience is that like? Do you just sort of sit there and shake your head as as this is all happening, going, um, I've got the baggy green on, I've got to write, I want to play straight to Brian, I want to go back, you know, but then at the same time, make sure that Sam's okay. Yeah, the beauty of it, I think, is that you're in a sleep-deprived state of not being conscious of what's kind of going on and I think my cricket improved because of that I wasn't thinking that I had to play straight to this player or do this I was just that's not a suggestion to all young women out there that happens when you get later on in your career maybe um no so as I said I was really lucky I had mum and dad um my sister I think my brother was there my husband was on that ashes tour um how'd the players react they were really good they were great those change rooms in England were tiny and it was a little bit um not the most private environment to try mm-hmm. and breastfeed or often I, so Sam wasn't really allowed in the change rooms but in around breastfeeding time it was so much quicker to do just the breastfeeding rather than expressing yeah so he'd just come in and um, the girls my way I guess I was in some ways I was making runs so everyone clears the change room out for you if that yeah. kind of makes sense <laughs> whereas if I was you know just fielding and just came in I wouldn't have felt so entitled to <laughs> sit in my spot and breastfeed but because I had to get back out to bat I kind of felt I don't care what anyone else thought but um, yeah can you remember a, a moment where you thought, if only this was different, like one aspect, even if it is of the, the new policy or one thing that would have made things easier back then? Uh, certainly the, the bit for me that stands out is around Jacob's birth, not Sam's. Jacob was, I fell pregnant with Jacob in around August, September, so it was just in pre-season and I knew I wasn't going to play, be able to play I could have played maybe a game into the season or two yeah. games into the season, but for me, I didn't feel that was fair for the team. So I declared I was pregnant early and um, decided not to. The first game would have been around 12 weeks and that would have been pushing it. So I stood aside, but um, that was the hard bit because yeah. I felt really undervalued and kind of disrespected. I've been in the state squad for 15 Oof. years or yeah. something by then. Um, and I, I remember getting phone calls the night before pre-season camp. Oh, actually, we don't need you to come because you can't do anything. So there's no point in you turning yeah. up. Th- those kind of things. So the, the bit in the policy that says um, we'll, we'll accommodate you, we'll find work, whether it's around the team, whether it's an admin job, yeah. we'll give you purpose and value and meaning for that period of time. Whereas I just came along to training, kind of twiddled my thumbs and uh, there was a conception from the players and the coaching staff kind of treading around you I know the girls didn't want to hit me with the ball even though paediatrician advice was that and was obstetrician yeah. advice was quite safe yeah. and you know I when it got later and I had a bigger belly obviously I had wall protection and stuff like that so it was quite safe mm. I felt safe but the players didn't feel safe or the coaches didn't feel safe so I'd stand up at the back and tokenly kind of hit my tennis balls going this is a waste of time because I'm not hitting a cricket ball for 12 months yet so yeah um, so that that bit of the policy I think would have been the most which is probably going to surprise most people because I think most people would think people would say it's a financial thing that helps out the most I know it does times are different because we weren't getting paid that's the real I think the evolution of the the policy being so important which in lots of ways is a shame is it's been driven by uh, the status of being employees and Mm -hmm. actually earning a wage that's what made that's what's made it it's real it has to be in place your workplace has to have a pregnancy policy maternity leave policy whereas back in our day when we were we employees i don't really know we kind of were we just started entering into that page but we weren't getting paid so financially it didn't matter it actually helped me it was a part-time job um and that beat going back to my real job while i had sam if that kind of makes sense yeah i worked enough hours so i could claim federal government maternity leave payments yeah was ideal I got to do my fitness I didn't have to join the gym and get put I was forced back into doing exercise <laughs> I was getting paid a little bit and um so from finances really was it except for them what we had to exp- 
you know, lay out for airfares and Airfares, accommodation and um, that that's obviously put some stress on stuff. It's triggered a moment. Look, it it has, and I think the thing that strikes me is um, exactly as Sarah just put there, for her it became a choice between herself and the team. And she chose to put the team first, you know, a couple of those examples. It's exactly the same as Emily um, Divin in, in Tasmania. Yeah. She made the same choices. Mm-hmm. And it's a that's a terrible position to, to put any of the players in. So I think that, again, is something that empowers the player, the mother, future yeah. mum or dad to make decisions that can be concurrently good for them and good for the team. Yeah. And it, yeah, that's not a fair position because... I knew I was safe in Victoria. Mm. Does that make sense? I knew that my playing abilities and my the respect within the group, I knew that I would get another contract back. Or I knew yep. that I was valued enough that I wasn't going to lose. So it was easy to speak up. Mm. Australian, I wasn't so confident. I was fringe in Australian. And, and that should never be the case, that the you're end. standing in a team so that dictates. Of, <laughs> and the, the same when Jocelyn was born, I was in my first year at the Adelaide Strikers yeah. and I fell pregnant right in the middle of the season. And I wasn't so... Um, willing to mm. to tell the coaches and the sports staff mm. because I was still trying to make my way yeah. and I didn't want to I wanted to play I didn't want to tell them that I was feeling mm. so crook and uh, heat exhaustion trying to do sprints but I knew that I was like 12 weeks pregnant and yeah. unsure whether that was safe I was sort of like um I'll just hold back on the sprint and I'll keep playing and I'll tell someone when I'm comfortable which I did yeah. I told the physio yeah. really early but we told the coach a little bit later and but I didn't want to compromise my opportunities playing opportunities yeah but yeah it's not fair for it should be consistent and that's the greatest thing about this policy it doesn't matter who you are where you're ranked in the playing order what yep. state you play for what big bash team you know that um, yeah, she's you know very important Claire Smith and she, she is calls she's general manager <laughs> <laughs> phone's on silent just want to <laughs> for the record car picked it up we are still that. sitting in the car the engine's on so I can keep juice going into the phone um, okay let's let's fast forward unless you had something else I, <laughs> Reflecting there on the discussion you two were having before about making the policy up on the run and not having those really important discussions till after uh, Sam, your first uh, Sarah, was born, my sto- like my experiences as a mum, and I wasn't trying to play cricket at the same time, was it, it was one of the most vulnerable and biggest learning curve sort of first few days, weeks, months of my life to think that. Sarah needed to not only be learning and aware of that but also advocating that is just extraordinary because that's that's a real challenge Um, so I think one of the things in delving into Sarah's experiences and Emily's experiences has been to try and learn those lessons in hindsight and apply them so that a new mum and a new dad Mm -hmm. isn't in the situation again where they're a learning on their feet yeah. in a very vulnerable and um, new experience and b also trying to influence others yeah and the thing with that too sorry mel but That's the thing good. with that too is every pregnancy is different so i was lucky sam was a good yeah. pregnancy and uh, my recovery was quick, pretty quick so i was in a better space to be able to deal with that stuff and in some ways coming back to play and have other things other things to focus on i think it's helpful for a new mum yeah um, to be doing that stuff so it goes both ways but yeah every pregnancy is different and people will experience a lot more difficult things than what I did. Trailblazers and role models both Sarah Elliott and Emily Divin I'm going to let Claire Smith pick up her phone call we're going to have a quick break we'll be back after she uh, sorts out everything in Australian cricket. Right Claire Smith has sorted out uh, 
everyone on the cricket side of things. We will get back into it. The, the new policy for me is um, when it came out, I mean, so much of it, you just go, yes, yes, yes. Because as we mentioned before, it's it's world leading in a lot of ways. Cricket um, here in Australia has, has led a lot of ways in terms of contracts and um, television and all those sorts of things. I know a lot of other countries and, and female players are very envious of, of what's going on here in Australia. Um, I look at it though it was a well-being approach and, it, and it's keeping our best players in the game for longer at a time when they're hitting their best cricket. You, you want mm. players involved in the game in and around that 30 mark, which is typically where families are, are starting to get going. Claire Smith, what's the? is there one element of this policy that you're exceptionally chuffed about? Or is it the whole thing? Look, I think it's a collective of things. Um, I think if you... Security is a perfect word. It provides security for the players. It provides choice. And it provides flexibility in the sense that it takes a case-by-case well-being approach, um, but with some guide rails. As we talked about earlier, without the guide rails, um, it could go anywhere. The security is in the sense of um, a year's paid leave um, for the primary carer, and I think it's really important to make that distinction that the primary carer could be mum, it could be dad, it could be other mum. Um, There's so many different family situations um, out there that this is a very gender neutral um, policy. It looks at who's the primary carer and then who's the secondary carer and there's provisions for both. So primary carer is the paid leave, 12 months of paid leave, so that's your your security. A year's contract, guaranteed contract extension um, after that to give the player um, who's had the baby time to to get back in the game and get fit and back um, to, to match fitness if you like. Transfer to a non-playing job, so um, flexibility, to Sarah's point earlier, to stay engaged, in a, I love that, in a meaningful way mm. um, in the team and the squad using other skills. Um, for the secondary carers, three weeks paid leave at the time of birth um, or a time that they choose to really be there at that you know, all-important time um, to bond and, and be, be a new family. And then um, the coming back into the game, so travel support, um, so a carer to come along for until the child's four years of age. So that's flights and accommodation to, to be there um, so the, the player can um, support their child. And if you can hear it, there's just rain falling now as we sit in the car, so you'll probably hear the engine and a bit of rain falling. It's, it is old school cricket though, isn't it? We used to get changed in, in the cars before games. At um, this very venue. At this very, very... I did bring my old state jumper too but it's a bit warm to, to put on the old Vic spirit jumper to really get in in uh, in full mode today um, we had I mentioned before we had Amy Satterthwaite on I think that was one of the big things for her too is that ability to still be in and around the squad and, and feel valued and, and part of the system as well it'll be it'll be weird for her do you think Sarah particularly this is her first child her and Leah are having in early Jan um, her expectations are that she'll you know she'll hopefully get back to the game as quickly as possible how tough is it after having a child to get back into the swing of things? I actually, I bumped into Amy just on the weekend. And sorry, is Serena Williams doing a disservice to a lot of people? Because she was back in no time. Is it all mums and athletes going, no, it's not that easy? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, like I said previously, every pregnancy and every child is different. So I would hate to kind of cast something to say it's easy. It's going to be the, not yeah. easy. Um, Yes, I've certainly found Sam easier than I think I did the other two. Yeah. Um, yeah, but really excited for Amy to actually put some of this policy into practice and to see 
how she goes. Yeah, I said I bumped into her on the weekend. It was really interesting to chat about yeah. her hopes and her expectations. And the reality is, you know nothing until yeah. until the you weren't yeah. any help to her at all. Is this what you're telling? Time to tell me. Well, I was help in terms of um, getting rid of expectations and just humbling everything and just. Um, Letting her know it's okay just to ride whatever comes. But, yeah, it'd be exciting yeah. to see her come back. Obviously a very good athlete, very fit, got lots of support around it. And it was yeah. great on the weekend to see her around that Renegades group. Mm-hmm. having It looked like she was having a meaningful role. And you could see her talking yeah. to the players and you could see them engaged and um, listening to what she said. Obviously, previous captain, she's got a lot to offer. And you could just see that they were using that. Um, and that did make me go a little bit like, oh, that would have been, that been, been nice. nice to be in that position. But, yeah. yeah. No, Which we've, the three of us have probably done on multiple levels. Like, would have been nice to be paid. <laughs> would have been nice to be playing in pants for the entire time and not collots. Would have been nice to. So things are always improving. Which That's is right. Nice. There we go. <laughs> okay, T Twenty World Cup is just around the corner. It's a um, an exciting time, I think, for Australia because the last World Cup was two thousand nine Women's World Cup. Um, before that, it was. 1988 so there's been big gaps of difference between hosting a World Cup particularly with a team that has been absolutely flying of late as well um, what are your expectations for it I think a lot of the conversation around this World Cup is that it's it's more than a cricket event Claire you're going to have the world's eyes looking at at cricket here in Australia what do you mm-hmm. hope that when people look at this event what, what, are, they, what are their takeouts? I hope that it's a moment in time that displays how how far women's sport has come, Um, women's cricket being the vehicle for for that conversation. Um, If you think back, it was cricket's been played in Australia, international cricket, since the 30s. So it's not new, but the progress across those decades and then probably shining the spotlight on just the last couple of years in the time since the three of us very young people have retired is extraordinary and I hope it's a chance to tell that story. Australian rules football is is a massive sport here in Australia and there's an element to it which I think is in rugby to some degree as well called the the father-son rule. Um, I'm now interested as former Australian players to get your take on is there an opportunity of mother-son slash mother-daughter What's, what's, what's the closest we're going to come to? James Sutherland's um, son and daughter, Annabelle and Will, are both playing state cricket and have played Australian junior cricket at the moment. We've had, um, we've had sisters, we've had the Blackwell sisters and all those sorts of things. Specifically, though, for you, Claire Smith, what are the chances, potentially, of Archie becoming the first mother-son combination for Australia? Well, I think his temperament at this point in time probably doesn't um, allow him to cricket, but uh, perhaps more... Um, AFL or rugby league. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's a bolsterous young thing. I have often thought maybe if he was an Archina, um, he could follow in <laughs> he could follow in my footsteps. But um, alas, I, I have a beautiful um, bouncing boy. Six, you, you got better chance in terms of probability because you've got three now. That's right. Chances? Oh, look, who knows? Um, equally, I'm not sure temperament's quite there. <laughs> Hand-eye coordination, good. Okay. Just getting to an age where we can get out in the backyard and play some serious cricket. Right. Jacob's the one with the fierce. I think he takes up to me. He's so competitive. And yes, he stubborn does. And fierce <laughs> and cunning. Um, so there's some potential there. Okay. Um, and who knows for Jocelyn? She's crazy at the minute. She's too. Who knows? They usually say it's the the youngest of the of the siblings because they have to deal with the older. She's certainly going to be tough having Sam and Jacob. Yeah. Um, and she off. She'll go on by. Claire Smith. 
<laughs> Love so it. So she will, she'll, she'll be put to bowl at yep. two. She's, she runs in and she tries to throw the ball like she knows what she's doing. Yeah. So maybe she'll be a bowler. I love it. There we go. Well, I look forward to uh, probably not calling it. I'll be well and truly off the airwaves by then. Um, but yeah, that would be nice to see. Sarah, you've transitioned from playing, you're a physio, but you also still got a touch point through the media, commentating for ABC Radio uh, on the WBBL and Women's Internationals as well. Um, in terms of the eliteness of the game, and we busted everything we could to play to play the game and do it well, but things have shifted tremendously. Um, when you look at this Australian team at the moment, um, is it one of the best teams you've seen go about it? Yeah, I think it's right up there. Um, I think we had a really strong era. This is probably more you two were in that era with um, Fitzpatrick and Kitely and you Clark. guys, of course, Clark. <clears throat> and I think that was a super dominant period. And then I think we're, we're coming back to that kind of a dominance now. And like you said, we all did kind of bust our guts and we're at the top of our game. But these guys have taken it, or these girls have taken it to a whole other level um, just with all the opportunities that open up with um, more time, more resources, all that sort of thing. So very, very exciting times. And it would be interesting to see how the other countries can come and match it. Um, like I said, we have been world leaders and we really are taking that on field as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Okay. I've asked you about your most vivid sporting memory. I'm now going to ask about the final day, March 8, which will be International Women's Day. Um, ICC, bold movement. We've had Belinda Clark on already talking about... Uh, if not now, when, and the whole decision about putting it on at the MCG to try and fill the ground. Claire, what would going to the MCG and seeing 92,000 plus mean to you? It would be extraordinary. I think it is very possible, and I think it's an aspirational but possible goal, which is really powerful. Women's sport keeps breaking its own records, and what it demonstrates to me is with investment becomes interest sorry investment provides exposure and exposure provides interest and this could all culminate in a 92,000 person packed MCG on International Women's Day showcasing hopefully what I think is one of the best Australian women's cricket teams that we could ever put up I laugh about the 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 Fitzpatrick's and Clark's they're considered once in a generation type players you kind of need a whole sheet of paper to write down the once-in-a-generation players that are out there at the moment. And uh, as Sarah said, that's a huge part to the ability for these players to really concentrate on playing cricket and doing the things they love. Uh, it's, it's, it's the anticipation as much as anything that's really exciting. Are you you're hoping for some phone calls from people coming overseas to, to chat through what the ACA and what the parental policy is, has done as well? Absolutely. I think the um, Players Association Network around the world through FICA in cricket and and AAA across the sports, we're always engaged in in those types of conversations. Just this morning I was talking with the NRL around our parental leave policy and I think that sharing... National Rugby League Association here in Australia. Thanks, Val. Um, I I genuinely think sharing progress because it's different pockets of progress that occur at different times and it inspires the next group um, to better themselves and that's, to me, where momentum and progress comes from. Have you bought your tickets yet, Sticks? Not yet. I'll have to, before they sell out, I'll have to make sure I do. This is it. Who do you think you'll sit with? What's your ideal, you know, if you could picture your ideal day at the MCG what does it look like 
um, to be honest, it's probably there with the family, mm. like with mum and dad and, and Rob and the kids. Um, and it'd be great to be there with whether it's Smitty's family or Apples' family or yeah. old teammates just to be able to celebrate what the occasion would be. Well, there's an ACA Bay, Stixie, that, that we have. <laughs> I have so heard of this, yeah. get your tickets and you might just accidentally be alongside all of those <laughs> past, past players and, and, and current players not playing on the day. It would be yeah, a great opportunity to celebrate with many people that have come before and created such that have really paved the way to make something happen and for me that getting achieving that result of those crowd numbers I feel like it's just the start that would be it would be the starting moment of finally women's sport is kind of recognized the talent and the caliber of players uh, the value behind those players and what women can do it's kind of like the starting point for Mm. me well, it's the starting point visually, I think, because mm-hmm. that will make something quite <clears throat> spectacular for the world to see. Um, the starting point for where we are at the moment, though, as you mentioned, happened many, many years ago, long before we started playing the game by some mm-hmm. magnificent women. It's continued on with both of you doing some fantastic work, um, whether it's volunteer-based or, or paid paid ways. Um, so I think from me and everyone that's been involved in cricket, thank you so much. It's been great chatting. We haven't really caught up for a while. We'll probably switch this <laughs> off, sit in the car for another half an hour. And, and then the real stories. Just, yeah, the real stories will come out. But um, really appreciate your time um, and looking forward to sitting down at the G on March 8 and going, yeah, we're there, but we'll keep on going. Thanks, guys. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or... Get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Smell.